Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. Man, I'm really excited about today's show. Frank Barberi is back uh, to talk about Violent Love. Violent Love is his collaboration with Victor Santos. I don't know how Frank does it, but always manages to get uh, top artists to do uh, collaborations with him, whether it's been his uh, Marvel stuff, his DC stuff, or now uh, on Violent Love. I'm, I'm such a Victor Santos fan, going back to... Azarello and his uh, collaboration of Filthy Rich. That's the first thing of his I saw. I love Polar, yeah, an incredible spy series that uh, he's been doing for Dark Horse. Three volumes of that. It is must-crime reading, as is Violent Love. You know, I, I knew Frank knew what he was doing because I love his Five Ghosts uh, series. And we talk about that and uh, its eventual return coming soon. But also uh, Violent Love is fantastic. Uh, six issues in and uh, wonderful collaboration between the guys so uh, i i can't i can't uh, recommend it more which is why we're talking to frank today about it on word balloon all brought to you by the league of word balloon listeners thank you very much league for your support uh very uh, pleased uh, a lot more uh, new subscribers joined up uh, last week and i thank you very much uh, to all of you and also uh, the people that are continuing to help support word balloon through subscribing at patreon.com if uh, you like Word Balloon and uh, you, you think it's uh, you know worth uh, uh, you know the price of a comic is that is that too much to ask or even less you know a dollar a month whatever you can spare uh, if you go to Patreon.com/slash/WordBalloon uh, that's where my Patreon page is and uh, you're helping keep the show going and uh, helping me uh, make these new contacts and keep the equipment up and uh, giving you uh, the best conversations in pop culture I can give you. So really, thank you very much, League of Word Balloon listeners. 12 years of Word Balloon. Uh, it's always been free. It will continue to be free. And uh, it's because of support like the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much. Word Balloon is also brought to you today by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. A lot of Frank Barberry material is available at InStock Trades. And I am happy to talk about a lot of this stuff. In fact, uh, this is not the first collaboration between Frank and Victor Santos. And I didn't realize it. But we talk about... Black Market, the boom book uh, that they did, and uh, it's available for a reasonable price. You can get uh, the regular price trade paperback at uh, $13.99, but also uh, InStock Trades has you know, books that have dings in them and stuff, so if you really want to read it and uh, aren't worried about getting a damaged uh, version of Black Market, you can get it for an additional $2 off. Uh, the regular version is $13.99. And the in-stock trades uh, damage version is eleven ninety nine, and that uh, that's significant savings off of the uh, the retail price of nineteen ninety nine. There's also Blackout, uh, a book that he did with Colin Lorimer, and that was from Dark Horse. Uh, this book is uh, uh, it's part of uh, you know good genre action from uh, from Frank. It's forty five percent off, just seventeen dollars and fourteen cents. Uh, we talk about, of course, Five Ghosts. Volume 1, The Haunting of Fabian Gray, is 42% off. It's just $5.79. Lost Coastlines, Volume 2, is $8.69, as is Volume 3, Monsters and Men. And that collects, uh, all three of those collect the uh, 17 issues that currently exist of, uh, of Five Ghosts. So just a few of the great Frank Barberi uh, products you can find at InStockTrades.com. I think I'll do the same for Victor. On, uh, on the other side of uh, the interview. If your orders are $50 or more, your shipping is free. You still got to 
spend the $50 or more, obviously. But uh, great books at great prices at InStockTrades.com. All right, without further ado, let's get into our conversation now with Frank Barberi. It's, it's always a pleasure to have him back here on Word Balloon. I am. Uh, is it? And I. And I'm going to start off and stumble because I was about to say I'm very happy to have Frank Barberi back. Am I saying it right, Frank? Yeah, that is perfect. All right, excellent. <laughs> I, I truly, and you know, uh, it's been so long since you've been back, but I've seen you at a few conventions. I'm always happy to say hello, and uh, you were nice off the air. You're like, well, you listen, so it's like you feel like we have been talking, and I'm glad. So it's great to have you back, man. Welcome back to Word Balloon. No, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. And congratulations on another great collaboration. And I don't have it in front of me. Who, first of all, your five ghost guy that I always got to give it up to because I love his art so much. Oh, uh, Chris Mooneyham, yes. dear dear friend of mine, and has been just like nonstop amazing. Uh, that was actually again, it was geez, four years ago when we started doing that book, and that's when I think uh, probably not exactly four years because our four year anniversary was. Uh, at the end of March, but I know that's when we initially spoke, even when, uh, I think I sent you one of the self-published ones. Yes. Before even Image had it, yeah, because I remember you had the, the oversized, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's, it's been a, a crazy ride since then, and we, uh, I mean, we get more into this later, but we are more he- working on uh, more Five Ghosts now, too. We are going to hop back in. Very good. Uh, we, put like a, we put like a teaser up, but we haven't like officially announced anything, because uh, again, I, we have to coordinate a lot with Image still, but we are working on it. I started writing number 18 the other day and chris is about to dive in so we're very excited to jump back in and and keep our legacy numbering too that's always been huge to us and (laughs) yeah well well, we we left 17 on a cliffhanger like asshole so it doesn't seem right to me to uh jump around that but uh we just got caught up in the we we worked on the book for five years straight despite only like two years of active publication and uh we just hit that point where we were like if we don't take a break now we're gonna Lose our minds. So well, we, uh, sure. Well, and also because of Five Ghosts, other opportunities have come up and dipped your toe a couple times. That I know in the Marvel side, at the very least, and because uh, I think we talked about, didn't you do like a Howling Commandos book at, at one point? Wasn't that one of the books? Yeah, yeah. I, I did a uh, full run on Howling Commandos or Shield. I had done a run on Avengers World. I did a new Avengers Annual, which is one awesome. of my favorite pieces that I had done. Uh, it was a Doctor Strange story with Marco Rudy. Cool. Uh, in, in DC, I've, I've been in and out a little bit. Uh, I actually have a, uh, a new thing there that I'm really excited about. I did the uh, Martian Manhunter, Marvin the Martian uh, one shot coming out. Very cool. Yeah, I, when is it out yet? It or my, is, uh, it, is, is it uh, June? June. Okay. I think it, with my uh, with my dear friend Steve Orlando. Uh, oh, that's great. We co-wrote that, and it was such a blast. And I think people are going to be really <laughs> excited to see it. I mean, I already laughed, and I was joking with Steve. I'm like. Dude, I forgot how popular Looney Tunes is. He's like, yeah, no shit. But I'm like, well. But also, <laughs> as soon as I, as soon as I said Marvin the Martian, a lot of people were like, oh my god. It's oh like, yeah. Oh, I forget well, that. Yeah, Looney I mean, Tunes has a, a bit of history behind it. Truly, one of the great one note, you know, Warner Brother characters, but still, and that oh that voice, and you know, yeah. you just you love them. I mean, yeah, no. So, and also, you know, Manhunter has been funny. I mean, and and there and there have been great funny moments with the Martian Manhunter. So, oh, this is going to be very interesting. So, I, I think that's yeah. Cool. I, 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 you know, I like um, I like what Heath and um, and I'm forgetting the Italian gentleman's name that he worked with, or the Spanish gentleman if it's not Italian. But the Bizarro thing that they did during the New Fifty Two, I thought was hilarious. And I mean, you know, there's I'm glad that DC is leaning into more comedy. The Flintstones thing is great. 
and it, and I man, I'm one of those guys that I'm like, eh, don't fuck with the design, man. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> but I have to admit, it is it's a very fun, fresh, like Flintstone, kind of like Archie, man. It's like, yeah, no, actually, this is good. So yeah, Aaron Lepresti drew our issue, and he did such a phenomenal That's job funny. of making it feel very DC, and especially with a character like Marvin, who is so cartoony, has no face, <laughs> but like. Aaron was able to elicit such great acting with just the eyes and, and really made him look like he fits in the DCU. Cool. Cause again, we definitely went more DCU than Looney sure. Tunes on this, which sure. is why I think people will be surprised, but, uh, it really was a blast and Aaron did a phenomenal, phenomenal job. So I'm excited for uh, people to check it out. Very cool. Very soon. Very soon. I, I can't remember where in June, but I know it's out in June. Okay. And I know uh, next week as we're recording, which will likely be the week that this is released, I, I don't know if it's a skip week or not because I know it's going to be like the 25th or whatever. Like it's going to be one and maybe next week's the, the following week's the skip week. I don't even know. I don't have my calendar handy. It's all right. Where's my bank? <laughs> <laughs> they always have the date anyway. But uh, I want to get to our main uh, point of the conversation, which was, uh, man, uh, Violent Love, I – I'm such a Victor Santos fan. I'm a Frank Barberry fan. Oh, Don't get me wrong. But you and me both, though, man. I, I can't believe Victor is kind enough to volunteer his time and efforts to collaborate with me because he is one of my favorites, and it's a surreal and exciting experience to be able to collaborate with people whose work you genuinely love, and Victor is just a phenom to me. I mean, he writes his own books as well. Yes. He has a huge international following, so, like, Literally, as I said, I mean, he's he's my co-creator and, and partner on the book, but he's working with me because he wants to, especially doing it through image. It, it's our own thing. And I just respect the hell out of both his time and his talent. And uh, he, he also wrapped up his Polar trilogy, which uh, yes. Dark Horse did those three beautiful editions. And I'm uh, like I said, I, I'm just constantly in awe and I I can't believe I get to see art from him. On the regular. Oh my God! <laughs> so. I, truly, I want to explore more of his uh, foreign <clears throat> press uh, stuff because you're right. I love Polar. The first thing I saw of his was Filthy Rich with Brian Azzarello. Oh what yeah, was, yeah. What was sure. the first thing for the two of you encountering each other? What did you see first of his, and did you approach him with something that you had? And tell me how this happened. It was uh, very fortuitous, and, and honestly, a good pairing by uh, my editors at Boom because we worked on a creator-owned project that I did at Boom called Black Market. And uh, they had just been talking to Victor because they were fans of his about uh, about doing something. And he actually just like tried out for the book and they showed it to me. And I was like, I love Victor's art so much. I don't even care what his samples look like. Just hire him. So you were already aware, so, obviously, of him. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I think I had seen, because I love uh, Mike Oming. Oh, I and love Mike, absolutely. I, I shamelessly will say, like, uh, Powers is the comic that made me kind of want to be a comic book writer. I, I mean, maybe that that dates me as being still newer in terms of a lot of stuff. But really, like, I read comics my whole life. But when I was around, like, 17, 18, and, and Powers had started, and then Bendis jumped onto a uh, – yeah. <laughs> no, no, I love it, dude, because Powers is one of the things that brought me back. It's just, you know, at the time I was 30. But go on. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, go on. but you know what I mean? Like that was that was image starting to become, I think, what they are today. And as much as I had read Marvel and DC my whole life, and I love that stuff, and and I think right now it's it's maybe the smartest and highest quality stuff they've done. We were definitely feeling that sag a little at the end of the '90s, and like yeah, like Grant was on X Men, and then like uh, Straczynski and JRJR on, on Spider Man. It was exciting, but yeah. it was powers for me that really like 
I was like, Jesus, I didn't know comics could be like this. Again, because I was mainly a mainstream reader. I, I didn't, again, dabble in, like, really, like, indie comics or anything like that. Like, and I mean, like, true, like, photocopied indie comics. I was, again, I was Marvel DC kid. And it was really powers that broke through to me and, and uh, kind of made me aware of kind of what creator-owned books were and just the fact, like, oh, you can take all the stuff that's good about superhero comics and do it in another space and, and kind of piggyback off that. And again, especially with a book like Powers, and uh, through following Oming, I read Mice Templar, which he worked on with Brian Glass, and uh, yes. Victor had done some work on that, and I feel like that is the first time I saw his work, even if I hadn't been acutely aware of who he was exactly, but uh, then it was Filthy Rich. That uh, Again, I love Azarello, 100 Bullets is one of my favorite books, yeah. and and I kind of did the mental math of like, oh, it's that guy, because again, Victor has a very evocative style that again the the lowest common denominator way for me to uh to put it is again he it's kind of like an adult bruce tim bruce tim style and that was what caught me so off guard with it and uh it's interesting because i i actually uh i'm sorry i'm jumping all over but i yeah that introduced me to his work and i'd actually just checked out the first volume of polar when uh when my editors at boom brought up Victor. So I was like very <laughs> on, on the pulse of Victor's work at that point. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, yes. And, and it's, it's great because I really enjoy the book we did black market at, uh, at boom. And it was very much my sort of like love letter to powers in a way. And, and it kind of gave it this strange kind of perfect storm of, uh, again, Victor having a lot of the same DNA, I think it is art that Mike has. And I don't know. It was, fun for me to do something that I feel like was maybe adjacent to it because uh, the black market is essentially about a world where there are superheroes, but the superheroes are very mysterious and kind of dicks. Like they don't interact with normal people. And our protagonist finds out that there's actually a cure for all disease in their blood. And because the superheroes don't actually interact with people, they, they kind of fight amongst themselves and will quote save people. But uh, our character kind of starts a black market operation to steal their blood and it, all goes out of control and it was a uh, very similar in the sense that it is a crime story, but it is a world with superheroes. And obviously I will not even shy away from powers being one of my huge influences on that. And uh, it was kind of fun to play in that same sandbox, but uh, we know Victor and I really hit it off from there. And immediately when that wrapped, we started uh, kind of shooting notes back and forth for what would become violent love. And, uh, we just really put a lot of time and development into it. And we're fortunate enough to finally get it in front of Eric at image and, uh, then just kind of hit the ground running. But, uh, it, it's such a special book to us. Cause it is in, in the same way I will say about five ghosts. It's the exact book we would be reading and the exact book we want to do. And again, I, I feel like we've put our best feet forward on it and we're both super proud of it to the point that, yeah, I, I want people to like it, but it is just like, our dream project in, in so many ways. And we're so fortunate that we're given the creative control we have at image and that we work so closely together. Uh, Cause it's just Victor and I, and our designer Dylan Todd did beautiful trade dress for it. But in terms of all the art, Victor handles all of it. He's penciling, inking and coloring it. So it's a very, very clean, uh, clean collaboration. I mean, that's it. And again, I love collaborating. It's why I work in comics. I don't like write novels and I love, having like different colors involved sometimes, but I feel like here it's just a very, it is exactly the book we want to be making. So uh, like everything I image, it lives and dies by, by what we put into it. And it is a, 
a very refreshing experience to to do something that that is kind of so pure and organic in a lot of ways that uh i was actually very fortunate enough that uh victor actually came out for the book release it was his first time in the u.s and we got to actually like hang out and spend a week together and i'm we had been friends before but i'm glad to uh have him in my in real life corner of friends as well and uh we got to spend time kind of going around and, and him seeing a lot of u.s sites i mean we saw both dc and uh New York. So it was exciting to kind of show someone who's never been here two cities that are pretty awesome. I mean, New York is one of my favorite places. I lived there for a long time and I grew up in Jersey. So it's, uh, it made me happy to show someone and be like kind of their first, uh, their Sherpa into a great American city. That's excellent, man. No, that's terrific. Now, and, 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 and quick, uh, quick, tremendous shout out to our, uh, our buddy, Steve Anderson, who runs third eye comics in Annapolis, which is unabashedly my favorite comic book store. Uh, who actually, uh, flew us both out for that and, and kind of set up the trip. So, uh, Steve wow. is a phenomenal supporter of my work and, and I feel like just comics in general. And, and, uh, there's so many great stores. I'm close with so many fantastic retailers, but, uh, just part of me just hopes more and more stores kind of keep up what they're doing. Cause I feel like with the number of amazing stores I see, like I feel like there's just no way that this hobby can't continue to grow because uh, again, I, I think a lot of retailers now have built stores where they foster community. They really yes. care about getting books, to new people, converting new customers. And it, it, it's really inspiring to get out there and, and kind of travel to stores and see the hard work the retail community is doing. The survival of the book culture and the comic book culture, it does. It leans on the same things that are keeping, you know, novels going as well. And it is, like you said, building community within your store and making it more of a salon experience rather than just uh, a storefront experience and that you really do invite people in and have them hang out and come for events and stuff like that. So, no, I agree with you, and I'm glad that yeah, and, and it's so much of that is at the major markets that it's happening in places like Annapolis, too. Absolutely. And it's, and it's thankless work too. These people yes. do it because they love it. And like, yeah, they, they're entrepreneurs and business owners, but no one's patting them on the back. Like they're and, and I think that's one of the things that I really just give every comic retailer credit for. I mean, first yeah. of all, just opening a comic book store in their own right, that is a passion project to begin with. And then just to see so many people willing to put money where their mouth is. Uh, again, I, I could rattle off so many fantastic stores who Again, the reason I'm able to do creator-owned work is because these stores support my work, and and that obviously means the world to me. Well, that's the thing, and, and you're right, and and I think it shows that if you have a quality product, you Sam Humphreys is another great example of that. That you guys, you know, you have to hand sell, especially when you're breaking in. Now, in relation to Five Ghosts, this first uh, book at Boom Black Market was that pre Five Ghosts or post? This was post. So okay. Five Ghosts really kind of. Again, we were so fortunate to get in that image when, like, they were really, really blowing up. And it thankfully got uh, all of us, uh, me, Chris Mooneyham, Lauren Affey, and, and to a lesser extent, our buddy Gary Brown. But he was already in there, and he only did one issue of Five Ghosts. So okay. I don't think I could take the credit for making Gary's career by collaborating with him. But, uh, <laughs> but no, it, it was just comics is so interesting because, yeah, it's so hard to get in. But I feel like because it is a small community, if you can do – one thing that people really connect with, like everyone will kind of come in. And uh, I thankfully like am someone who loves doing my own stuff and, and loves coming up with new, uh, new kind of uh, IP for lack of a better term, yes. but like 
projects I care about and things that are original content. So I've been very fortunate to kind of spread out all over and, and really get in at such a great time when, when a lot of new companies were really taking a chance on newer creators. So I, I will always, always be very glad of right place, right time. I hear you, man. But again, yeah, it's, uh, it always helps having an A-list guy drawing your ideas. And, and this is clearly one of those examples. And I always like when Victor collaborates. Uh, I love his original stuff. Like you said, like Polar. Polar is amazing. But I, I'm assuming, certainly in the case of Filthy Rich with Azarello, it was one of those vertigo crime. Uh, it's a graphic novel, but it's kind of two panels per page. You know, it was limited space. And it's shaped like a paperback novel. And it's a hardcover. Yeah, they have, they have I, I love those formats. Me yeah, too, man. Tiny, I, I, they were the small hardcovers. Oh, yeah. And I and really, I agree with you. I think a lot of really neat stories came out of that series. And I know that it might have been a tougher sell for the for the stores and stuff like that. But I I feel that, and even in the case here of Filthy Rich, I think Victor's stretching, I think, as he does visually and stuff. But it seems a little more conventional than his Polar stuff. His Polar stuff always seems a little more... Expressionistic, and there are moments in uh, uh, *Violent Love* that do, you know, let him stretch and 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 you know go beyond a panel and stuff and really have fun with a page. But do you do you, do you agree with what I'm saying or what I'm seeing? Absolutely. I mean, I I think it's the mark of him being such a uh, kind of smart craftsman with his work yeah. that he understands kind of time and place like he knows polar okay this is my kind of experimental fun project i'm gonna go nuts i have a lot of influences that i want to explore but every issue of violent love like he will either rein it in or take some time to kind of explore with like color choice or, or different styles and I, I think i don't know to me that is really the mark of a pro like they know they know how to fit their work to the content and are never He'll never do something just to show off, you know, like I, I again, not to disparage anyone, but we all when we're all starting out, we all want to show like how good we are, or how cool the stuff we come up. Sure. But Victor is certainly a uh, a very deliberate craftsman and, and understands what's appropriate when. And quite honestly, that's why uh, every, I've been so fortunate with everyone I collaborate with that they just like have a way of elevating the work. And, and as I said, it's why I love comics. I mean, I love the collaboration. I love that I write a script and someone takes that and makes it better. They bring what they can to it and, and turn it into kind of a visible product that always transcends what I either had visualized or thought about, even when I know their work. And, and that is the addictive part of it for me and why I will always do comics as there's just nothing better than seeing pages come back from something you wrote. And, uh, again, being able to be kind of the first audience. And Victor is, is just really one of those artists who uh, I write full script and a lot of people always ask process stuff, but uh, he will always make it monumentally better. I, I mean, every artist I collaborate with will, they'll always add panels and, and kind of have a better eye for shots. And, and I love that. Like my comic scripts, uh, again, they're not super dense. I mean, as I said, they're full scripts, so I'll write panel descriptions, but it's always with the caveat that I think a lot of, writers who, who get kind of great looking product, they give their collaborators room to be themselves. And that is the number one thing I love about comics that you get to kind of have someone interpret what you wrote and, and let them kind of do the best work they can. And uh, it really, I don't know, it, it, it's an addictive and fun process for me as a writer to get that stuff back and just get that in your inbox all the time. <laughs> I mean, uh, I just, I joke with Violent Love, too, that uh, 
I don't purposely try to think of like iconic shots when I'm when I'm writing out the scripts, but I feel like every issue Victor manages to find a scene to uh to kind of become like my favorite shot from Violent Love that I feel like just captures the tone of the book. Uh there's a, a panel, a spread from issue six that's literally just Daisy and Rock sitting in a diner and each of them is on one side of the page in the booth and mm-hmm. he just brought so much personality and, and I don't know, just artistry to it. I'm just like, I cannot wait to get the finished art of this so I can just like make a poster for myself. I, understand. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's fun to collaborate with people you like, which I guess that's the long winded way of saying. <laughs> no, I hear you though, man. It's stuff like that. And also God, you know, uh, Daisy's rap sheet, you know, or, or whatever that is, oh, a okay, wanted yeah. poster or whatever that, you know, kind yeah. of, just, just moments like that. And also, her skinny dipping or her in the shower or what? I mean, I, I won't deny. I mean, he, he does. He draws sexy women and everything. Yeah. I felt that way with, I feel with like, Filthy uh, Rich, you know? I mean, he just – he does. And that's – you want a femme fatale. You want a sexy femme fatale. No, I, absolutely. And I feel like he doesn't shy away from that as well. Like, yes. And it's – obviously our book is for mature readers, but he – and again, I don't want to – tasteful though. I mean, it's not it – <laughs> exactly, yeah. it isn't exploitive. It's, it really is tasteful noir art. And that's why I don't want to pigeonhole a whole group of artists, but I feel like because his background is European, that he's grown up again with with much more, I feel like tasteful nudity than we have in the states. Yeah, I mean, there's still stories. so much taboo yes. around. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and it's so nice to be able to write scenes like that 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 again require a deft hand and to know that he can execute them better than I even thought possible. And and again, I have it have it fit in the genre be alluring but also be tasteful and and i feel like even with the violence in the book yeah things can get a little crazy and and get almost grindhouse but it's why i've said a lot about the book is like obviously we're not going to shy away from that but i feel like victor can render it in a way that that makes it visceral that makes it almost like horrific and not gratuitous and that's really what i was going for in the sense of like oh well this is the book is grounded. Yeah, we have a little bit of, of crazy stuff toward the end with uh, some of the violence. But really the idea that uh, – and, and I say this all the time, but it, it's what always shook me is that I remember seeing the first like violent fight in my real life. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm a sheltered baby, but it was when I was a teenager in high school. Uh, I saw kids fighting. A kid broke a light on another kid at school, wow. and there was just like – a kid actually like his face got cut and he started bleeding. It was the most horrific thing I've ever seen. Like, and this is growing up playing crazy violent video games and seeing violent movies, but that real world violence was disturbing. Like it was really upsetting and, and kind of hyper, hyper real in a weird way. And I feel like with this book, I, we were very clear when talking about it and of course it'll be stylized, but that's the effect we're going for of, of having a kind of grounded, grounded story. So when shit hits the fan, we want it to have an element of danger and, and kind of horror in a way. And I think Victor has really figured out a way to do that. And I mean, yes, it also looks cool. Like that is a big part of, uh, <laughs> part of the design. I, I won't shy away from that as well, but I, I think he's just really captured the visceral nature of it. And in our narrative where we have someone who goes from a quote, normal life to becoming a criminal and, really wanting to show all that entails and, and what those decisions mean. I think he's just been the perfect collaborator for that to, to kind of bring those moments to life in the way that I intended them to be. And it, there's no better feeling than having something come out and kind of carrying the tone and weight that you thought. And, and I feel like that is the, 
the joy and fear of, of being a comic writer. And I assume probably even a film as well of hoping that it, it carries the, the, uh, the stuff you wanted to be there is there when it is a finished product. And I, I think that being able to just collaborate directly with Victor alone really helps that because there was just a very clear line of communication of like, okay, we want to do the panel like this. Victor goes and does the panel like this. And it doesn't have to be, uh, be kind of thought over, discussed. And, and again, I, I love collaborating with editors and I think there's a lot of fantastic, fantastic editors out there, but it is making garage comics. Like at this point, it's us cool. kind of doing whatever we want. And, uh, it's how five ghost was as well. And, and there is a real exciting freedom to that of knowing like, okay, like, well, if we, if we're going to mess up, it's on us, but we're going to take a risk and we're going to go for it. And, and particularly with violent love, uh, we did both issue one and issue five as double sized issues. Yes. Which is why our trade is enormously long. Really, really ensuring we will yes, never, yes. <laughs> and, and we were very adamant about keeping it nine ninety nine too. And, uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. We, we obviously make less money off well, that, yeah. but we don't care. We, we want people adopting the book. I like that. It's a lot of book for not a prohibitive price. Yes. And, uh, we are going to be right back with uh, issue six in July. So we're doing issue just a like, month assuming, off. Right? Or is, is it six? Or, uh, it, yeah, five was actually the end of the trade. As I said, it's so long, you'd oh, think it's well, seven issues. but uh, Well, and also issues, reading, but, uh, reading the PDF you gave me, I thought there were six acts. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, it might have been. Uh, well, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I'm not remembering it correctly. But that's no, no, because I was like, damn, this is long. And again, maybe it was just the page count because and I'll yeah, tell you the truth, Frank, and I'm not kidding. I've been I had been buying the floppies, but I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And I didn't even realize that the arc had ended. And then, you know, uh, Brian from image, uh, emails and is like, Hey, do you want to talk uh, to violent love? And I'm like, yes. And I'm like, absolutely. Because again, Victor's art is so eye catching and everything. So, uh, you know, but that's great. Like you said, there are more pages. It is a hell of a deal. And also if, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I do think it's one of oh, those no, great first image volumes of you've got a complete story, but obviously things will continue, and it absolutely will answer the question for you after you purchase it. Do I want to keep reading this, or okay, I had a, I had a fun ride or whatever? And it, I really think it gives both readers a satisfying read. But I do think that you will be intrigued, and I do think Victor's art and Frank's story will suck you in, and you'll want to continue. So uh, well, that that's all <laughs> all we can hope for. So I'm glad you feel that way. Totally but true. I, yeah. And, I, and I'm totally uh, excited with uh, our designer, Dylan Todd, did such a great job with the book design. I love how he did uh, the inside front cover and inside back cover, the two mug shots. And just, yeah, I, I'm, that's one of the, not to sit here and just sing images praises, as <laughs> they do okay for themselves. They, they figured something out. But uh, we get full leeway to do all our own book design, which is always so freeing because we can do fun stuff like that. We don't need to run it by anyone or, or worry about even ads or anything and uh it is just a very rewarding process like i can look at this trade and know that we made no compromises that this is exactly the product we want to put out and we just hope it, it resonates with people and uh i feel like in terms of violent love we're very fortunate to to break a story that has a very natural midpoint which we reach at the end of the trade and i'm hoping that it, it does entice people to maybe jump on with the monthlies but i also can't disparage people for trade waiting i know okay. it's a it's a satisfying way to read the books as well, but uh, we really want to uh, 
hopefully keep the book going beyond 10 because 10 will be, so uh, 10 will be the end of this kind of first story arc uh, with uh, volume one being issues one through five and volume two being six through 10. But we really love this world we built. We really love these characters. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of chronology in the book, as we know, because we jump from time periods yes. and we have a lot of stories we want to tell. So we're really hoping to keep like a universe book kind of going like and, and pardon me standing on the shoulders of giants here. But uh, but things like criminals, straight bullets and even like Sin City, like just we want to keep the book going in a world like that where we can do a new volume that is different characters and, and kind of anthology based like that. Sure. And uh, again, uh, it's a passion project for us, so we will do it as long as we humanly can because we enjoy making it. And uh, we just really hope that anything we can do to bring uh, new readers on or kind of keep the people reading it happy and coming month to month, we will always push for. And, and that goes down to just, like, making sure our, like, floppies have a cool look to them. I mean, we spend the time designing each one of those issues. I feel like Dylan does a tremendous job of making them look cool and, and making them kind of artifacts in and of themselves and uh and really, he had done that on Five Ghosts as well, uh, where mm-hmm. I think there is a joy to being able to be like, oh, well, the issues like have a cool design. So if I, I have all my issues together, they look cool. If I have my trades, they look cool. And, and I don't know. I, I just always try to treat every project I'm doing like it might be my last chance to make a comic book. Good. <laughs> so hey, man. I'm like, if we're going to go, if we're going to do this, we're going to go all out and I'm going to make something that I would be happy picking up or I mean, that's the only way to do it, right? I, I mean, you. in all art, like, if you make something you would buy, hopefully that finds a market. But, uh, but no, it, it's been an awesome experience so far. And, and obviously, uh, I'm just excited to, to be back already. I can't believe time is flying. I can't believe that already that first trade is done. Uh, and, uh, issue six is almost ready to go. I'm getting ready to just like letter it and put it out. Cause I actually lettered the book myself. I, oh, cool. I don't ever credit myself for some reason, but, uh, on all my creator own stuff for the most part, I did my own lettering and, uh, it's a cool way to kind of get back into it as the writer as well to kind of get your hands on the art a little bit. Sure. So I always like that experience. It makes me feel, makes me feel a little more involved than when it just comes back with everything done and you just sign off on it. That's cool, man. I and we might we might have talked about you doing lettering before. Did you break in as a letterer, Frank? Uh, no, I was not on the Ed Brisson plan. Okay, <laughs> I am very good friends with uh, with Ed, who did break in. Of course, in as yes, indeed. First, and I know and, Ed Brisson did. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I, I commiserate with him about it every now and then because there was a point when I uh, when I quit my day job and started doing comics full time, I did pick up some lettering uh, work. Okay. on the side, but. Uh, I found out I really did not enjoy doing it when it wasn't my own work. Sure. I mean, sure. <laughs> champagne problems, but uh, <laughs> I actually lettered a book that Ed did half of, so I joke about it. I'm like, look at this all-star lineup. It's uh, I cannot remember who wrote the book for the life of me. I apologize. But it's like the writer, the artist, Ed Brisson, Frank Barberi. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's a, a pretty big uh, power power book there with uh, so many people involved. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, I was going to ask because – all right, so as you said, this first volume is going to really go over the first ten issues. And I would imagine you know, Victory's probably got his own stuff he wants to do. Other people may want to collaborate him. How, you know, beyond this first volume and stuff, yeah, how, how often? And I guess you're going to see what kind of response you get from uh, 6 through 10 and the and the first trade, obviously. Absolutely, yeah. But Victory is, again, not, well, yes, to sing his praise more. He is just 
a workhorse and works on two projects at once wow. all the time. So always has two things going. He, he just announced his other project. He's doing a, uh, original graphic novel, uh, original graphic novel with, uh, Alex DeCampi for gallery at 13 oh, right now as well, which looks awesome. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of Alex's Me work too. as well. And, Again, being a fan of Victor, it's like, oh, well, that's amazing to not only be able to see our book, but be able to enjoy his art in other places. No question. And he is just, he is just cut from, from just, oh, I don't know. I was gonna say, I'm mixing my metaphors, but he is just literally a, a workhorse who is going 24/7 all the time, and, uh, and pump it up. More power you. to him because, yeah, because he actually just, uh, I don't know if it's gonna be brought to our region at all but he wrote a book that another artist just drew and i can't remember what the name of it is you know, it was in france and it, it it's yeah i follow him on i follow victor on twitter so i do i get his tweets and i i remember him promoting it recently i think yeah yeah it's it's like a crazy sci-fi book uh like an action sci-fi sure, book that sure. he did and uh and again he's just such a man of, of many talents i know that his uh his samurai epic Rashomon Dark Horse is actually bringing over, and I have the French edition. Oh, cool. And I would highly recommend everyone jump on those when they came over uh, when Dark Horse puts them out. Yeah. They're beautiful, beautiful books. Is, and uh, does he speak English well? He he does, but he doesn't think he does. And I know that's a, he's always shy about doing podcasts because, because yeah, man, speak, I, I was kind of yeah. like with Brian, and it's like, all right, I know Frank. I really want to talk to both of them. And it's like, okay, so you'll be talking to Frank, and I'm like, yeah, I want to talk yeah. to Victor too. Yeah. <laughs> And I understand. Yeah, no, uh, it, I know other artists that are like that European artists that that are self conscious, and it's like, dude, you speak better English than I do. Don't <laughs> I know? Well, that, that's why I tell them all the time. And, and when we're hanging out, I'm like, don't ever apologize. I can't speak any Spanish, and you are speaking exactly. two languages. Yes. So you are. It's it's not a problematic that you misuse a word here or there. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I, he's right, super shy about podcasts. We gotta, we gotta <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll get I Alex can, on this too. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I mean, he. It was so fascinating to be able to spend time with him uh, and talk about his work as well. Because as I said, he gets a lot of obvious uh, uh, references to the work of Darwin Cook, and again, Darwin going to bring that up. And you know, yeah. especially with Darwin's recent the anniversary of his of his passing last year, it's like thank God, oh my gosh, we I still have yeah. Victor. Uh, for another, yeah, uh, yeah, and, and that's another great comparison, like with Bruce Tim. But I was thinking Darwin well, as and, well. Go on. And that's what I find fascinating, though, because someone actually brought it up to him, and he's like, "I love Darwin Cook stuff, but it's really Bruce Tim. Like Bruce Tim is the one who who Victor consciously saw was like, I love this work, and and I think Darwin in the same way was kind of a little bit of an understudy of Bruce yes. Tim, and it's it's just so fascinating to find that shared DNA. And Oming's another guy, said, obviously, it, like that too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And. And again, I, I feel like we suffered such a monumental loss with, with Darwin, and I, it's such a bummer. I can't believe it's been a year already, yeah. actually, when he said that. And uh, as I said, I, I feel like, if anything, hopefully, again, the work we're doing can can be adjacent to it, like yes. I said, and, and maybe lead someone to discover some of that work as well. I mean, I think it might be the other way around. <laughs> I think uh, we are uh, a little bit more the underdogs there. but uh, Yeah, but uh, hopefully it is know, for, yeah, Nubia, it might lead them to Darwin stuff. And it's just, it's forgive me again, but I just want to say, it's like it's great that these art styles have opened up uh, noir to a more cartoony style and uh, going into a different direction. And I, hey man, I love the uh, guys like Paul Galassi and Starenko that are 
you know, and, and Sorrentino for a, for a, a more modern name in terms of these, this ultra-realistic Tim Bradstreet. I love it. I mean, that, that stuff has me at hello as well. But it's just nice that, Absolutely. you know, again, yeah, yeah. This, this is really a fun, bouncy way that has really kind of opened up a new way to noir that, you know, yeah, frankly, other, other than being influenced as and a, a, a guy like Paul Dini's another guy like that as well, that, you know, we're influenced by, you know, Dr. Seuss cartoons of the 60s and some of that late Warner Brothers animation of the 50s and 60s, Chuck Jones and people like that, that, you know, once Chuck really got into his form in the, in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool to see that seep into crime. Absolutely. And, and as I said, really, it was Powers that brought me into more of the creator on Space of Comics. And then obviously I discovered Criminal as it came out. And I love crime. And, and it's, it seems a little counterintuitive, but it was actually Darwin Cook's Parker graphic novels that inspired us to do Five Ghosts. Because uh, Interesting. The first, the first one had come out, and I had been collaborating with Chris for about a year. He had just finished art school, and, and he went to the Joe Kubert School. Uh, and I actually, where I was living in Jersey, was only a town over. So we actually were able to hang out and be be kind of like friends, and, and I'd actually see his work. And we had both just read that, and he started kind of sketching in more of a style, uh, again, kind of that square-jawed style. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I saw those sketches in his sketchbook. I was like, well, crap, man, that's if you do a book that looks like that and he was like oh i'd love to and i'm like well i don't want to do straight crime so maybe if we did like a thief character in the 40s and and that was very much the genesis of of what we started to with five go so it is just surreal how a lot of different uh kind of inspirations can this in different places but i feel like i will uh i've always been just such a fan of of, of both uh of bruce tim stuff of Darwin cook stuff and, and victor stuff and something about that style i feel like and oming as well. I, I don't know. I, I feel like it. It's rooted in the kind of familiar of almost being cartoony, but it, it just elevates it. And I feel like I feel like all of them are so capable of using the comics page as for like what it's worth, kind of not just trying to do and, and not to disparage it. I love good cinematic comics, but sure. uh, I feel like they're all just so clever with their paneling and so smart with their use and economy of the page. And, and that's why I love collaborating with Victor because I know I can write a sequence that he will just kind of find a brilliant way to execute it. I always tell a story when I'm teaching, uh, so I do a, a bit of lecturing still. I used to be a, a high school teacher, but whenever I get a chance, I'll go talk at art schools or colleges and, uh, particularly about a writing for an artist and, uh, I always use a Victor page as an example that there's this page from Black Market where I uh, – it was like a five-panel page where like in the first panel, like the characters are are talking behind the wheel of a car. The second panel, someone was supposed to look in the rearview mirror and see a police car behind them. They kind of talk amongst themselves a bit more, freaking out, and then they get pulled over. And uh, the last panel is like the cop approaching, and I wrote it probably in a very static way but victor did this brilliant layout where there's a panel of them talking and then like a why uh overhead shot of the highway and the car being followed by a cop car mm-hmm. that if you follow your eye down the page it gets like kind of pulled over in the same shot with a kind of insert panel for the third panel of them freaking out yep. and it's just such a brilliant way to again use the comics page i think 
that is that is what good collaboration brings. It, it kind of elevates work from. It, I don't know. A lot of people get salty about blah blah blah. This person contributes this. This person contributes that. And I just laugh when I see that argument because it's so counterproductive. Because truly, like the thing that makes comics special to me is that it's a synthesis. It's two people both using their heads, and it doesn't come down to like, oh well, I put this many hours in, et cetera, et cetera. Because it, it's about that shared product at the end that is better than the kind of some of its whole. And, and for me, that's, I don't know. I, I just feel like when people split hairs about that and, and I understand why they do it, it gets crazy and there's a lot of problems with credit, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. But just knowing the actual production aspect of it, there is just, it, it's one of the most collaborative, truly collaborative mediums to me. And, uh, thing I always say that I love about comics versus something like film is you can make a comic around a month. Like it, it's immediate turnaround and you get that satisfaction of like, Oh wow, I wrote this. It got drawn and now it's here and it's a real thing. And, uh, that part of it will always be thrilling. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'm trying to think of on the horizon. Uh, I also recently, uh, God, I, I trying to think of what I wrapped up last year. I did a uh, Deja Thoris run, which was a great deal of fun. Uh, oh, fantastic. That's collect them paperback know, now, yeah. Yeah, man. No, that's that's great. And the Carter franchise, it's... I I always appreciate what Dynamite is doing with the John Carter franchise, because they're really... Uh, you know, they, they, they fucked up that movie, and what are you going to do? I mean, but... Like, yeah, right. You know, yeah, but but old, a, a older, readers, older readers understand, like, it's like, no, there's really good ideas in there, man, and then you put it in the right hands. And yeah, Deja Thoris is a great <laughs> character, absolutely. And uh, and I, re- I wrapped up a series earlier this year called uh, The Revisionist with Gary Brown. Yes. Uh, that was at Aftershock, which was a total joy. And yet again, that was another book that felt very pure as a... Uh, Aftershock kind of gave us the leeway to do whatever we wanted, and we made a book that... We made the book we want to make, you're, you're <laughs> so to speak. Of, and, uh, you, you're over there, and I know Wade has something over there, and Azzarello has American Crime, and uh, I really like Jackpot from Ray Fox, and I haven't started reading his other Aftershock series. Yeah, they they are doing great, great books. Yeah, and and as works. I said, I, I, feel, I feel so fortunate to be in the right place at the right time as <laughs> as people are kind of coming in and, and doing new uh, – New original stuff, but it, it always is such a thrill to be able to kind of find yet another place to to do something new. And uh, and really on the horizon for me, I've got a few kind of work for hire things I can't quite talk about yet. Okay. But uh, but really the the return of Five Ghosts is huge for us. We uh, again we're banking probably at least three issues before, so I'll be sharing stuff on like social media and, and just very vocal talking about it. But uh. We are far from ready to announce any like issue release dates or anything like that, but uh, we are kind of putting our putting our pedal to the metal, so to speak, and uh, and really excited to kind of do the best the best version of that book we've ever been able to do. As it's again, we we've all grown in the time that has elapsed since we uh, stopped doing it. But uh, then uh, again, Violent Love, as I said, will be continuing. But I've I've also got. Uh, a few other creator-owned things, again, that I can't quite announce, but uh, stuff that's been long gestating on my end that I'm really, really proud of and, and stuff that, again, it, it is all passion stuff for me. I, I feel very fortunate that I get to put my own stuff out into the market and uh, just happen to kind of get in at the right time when that's viable because uh, just so many creators I respect who tell me the stories of, like, when they started doing creator-owned comics and, like, if they sold 2,000, it was, like, a miracle. Right. And, 
I'm just like, oh, geez, yeah. I think about the complaints some people have with numbers and things like that now. I'm like, well, go go talk to Rick Remender and ask him about doing creator own comics. Absolutely, comic. for uh, like the first his first ten years, absolutely, or maybe yeah, I think yeah. actually it might have been his his first ten years, certainly close to it. If not, yeah, yeah, for, it, it's Nightmare, amazing to read all these all these really yeah. interesting <laughs> ideas that you know didn't get traction until after. You know, even God Fear Agent. I mean, Christ, I was, right. yeah. I was on that it journey sucked. with him from the beginning with Fear Agent. You know, I mean, it's, I, you know, luckily, I feel like it's like, hey, this is a great book. Such a fascinating book, yes. right? Like that. It's one of those things that it's funny because I, I feel like uh, similarly, like Fractions Casanova yes. is the same way, like where guys just came out before <laughs> and you just weren't paying attention. And it was the same book. But uh but I mean that that's the exciting thing I think a lot about a lot of this work. Like it never goes away. Like it right. will always right. be there and, and you never know well, when someone will discover it. Well, and, uh, and that's Frank, if I may, that's why I'm I'm and I'm interested in again with you guys coming back to Five Ghosts, because I keep having this conversation. I had it with Nick Spencer about Morning Glories and uh Tim Seeley and Mike Norton, you know, finally wrapped up Revival. And, you know, hey, man, this is awesome. They announced at C2E2. Revival has a, you know, development deal going and everything, and it's going to be something. I can't remember if it's going to be a movie or a – I think it is going to be a movie and not a TV show, but I could be wrong. Regardless, like, you know, some of these big ideas that are – that go beyond three arcs, four arcs, four trades or something like that. Yeah, you know, you you wonder – when when you can stop because again you guys were all inspired by that hundred bullets era but then all of a sudden you know yeah, jason right. only had seven jason aaron only had 70 issues to really do scalp and you saw you know the i don't know if it's patience from a publishing standpoint i guess it is but that's the thing so like in image it is your own thing and obviously you keep doing a book as long as it's feasible but also you know i mean i can appreciate a fan going like all right you know how many more of these <laughs> yes. Well, it, 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 it's been fascinating with Five Ghosts too to to see that uh, people keep discovering it. Like those sure. the three volumes we have keep selling. And that three, really gives only us three right now. We have yeah, we have three volumes out. Which it's funny because I talk about working on the book for five years, and then someone could read it probably in three hours, <laughs> just tear through it and be like, "That's it." Uh, what else? But, you uh, <laughs> yeah, right. And, and that's the thing. I, I always forget that. Uh, Again, consumer facing, it it seems like that's when people start paying attention. They're like, okay, you got me. Now, what are you doing next? And uh, we think there's just like, again, it, it's a book we unanimous uh, unanimously enjoy and love doing, sure. which is why we're just kind of like, well, you know, let's do more. Like, we love this. There's no reason. And this is what I always said, like, to Chris when when we had a moment where like, should we try just do something else to like get better sales and i was like the last thing in the world i want to do is like a shittier version of five ghosts just to like up our numbers sure. because fans are not stupid like we write to the smartest audience we've ever had they'll be like this is just like a weird take on the thing you were doing that we liked why don't you just do that and <laughs> I, i'm happy to kind of jump right back to the source and it is the kind of thing where we stumbled on something that we feel very fortunate that we have a lot of stories to tell in this world because uh, with volume four of five ghosts, it's going to kind of not to get too lost in the weeds of it, but we'll actually end what we consider book one of five ghosts, like the first big, big arc. And at the end of, at the end of this arc, it will set up a new status quo to keep moving ahead. And and we'll take us to issues 24 and 25, which will be fun milestone issues just to do because again, I, it's, it's hard to keep anything going for six issues, let's be real. So we'll be glad to do that. And again, we just hope we can keep doing it 
as long as we have stories to tell, which will hopefully be a long time. I mean, I look at at stuff like like what Mignola has done with Hellboy, and obviously, as I said, I don't mean to put it in the same same category, but it, it's that kind of world where like, oh, we have a world that represents everything we love about comics. Like, we don't need excuses to play in it. Cool. Like, we would gladly find more to populate it with. And and again, that that's the kind of stuff you you kind of hit the lottery with, like in terms of creatively, like not every book is built to go on for a long time. And we exactly. really just don't want to kind of take that for granted. No, but and you're right in the, in the nature of five ghosts and stuff, there are, you know, five directions you go into. So it does make sense yeah. and everything. And it's, that's, that's why I joke with Chris. I'm like, well, we have like the whole of the literary canon of the world to pull from as well as all pulp. Multi, so yeah, I don't think we're really going to run out of definitely <laughs> run out of material anytime. But that's and that's great. And honestly, that is that is part of the appeal of Five Ghosts. But yeah, I mean, that's you know, I, I don't want to name names, but I have had creators on that, and I you know, they've gone on to bigger and different things, and it was like they they kept going with this one image book, and I'm like. All right, guys. You know, if you're not hitting your numbers, I, I understand, but like, wrap it up and do what like we were talking <laughs> about. Like, remember, look at look at all the different books. Yeah. And yeah. that way, when you do hit it, you can come back to it if you want to and say, I mean, God, I'm talking to Carl Kessel, and I think it'll be out before uh, your your conversation. But you know, uh, he and Tom Grummet did that book with Gorilla Comics, uh, and it's like it's Ground Zero, and uh, I'll know it better when I'm actually talking to him. But it was, you know, it was cut off in mid-run, and, and the the uh, thing that was funding Guerrilla Comics, you know, went out of biz, and they tried to keep it going for a while. Well, now they're Kickstartering it and everything, and that's great. And they're certainly, they're, they're much bigger names than they were 18 years ago when they were doing this book, and it's like, yeah, why not? You know, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you can go back, and Bendis continues to sell Fire, and aka Goldfish, and Torso, and uh, Jinx, you know, all of his pre-power stuff and everything, and his pre-Marvel stuff. So, you know, like there is a, there is a life for this stuff later. And I'm not saying in your guys case in five goes, but no, it's just that kind of question in general that I think obviously creators have to ask. And especially when a book does well for a while in image. And then it's like, OK, well, you know, and again, it's a question, you know, some some arcs or some epic storylines. I don't know. You know, do you sh- do you finish up at 30? And again, I'm not asking you specifically with five goes, but, you know, it's it is that question that I think people have to ask themselves. <laughs> yeah, and for real, it, it, it is just the – there's so many variables, and I feel like we we try to just take what we have and can work with and, and give it our all in that sense. Like we know, like, okay, we don't have perfect scenario for C, but we've got A and B, so you know what? There's no excuse to not do the book, uh, you know, yeah. and, and just kind of dive in. So uh, we will hopefully, as I said, in a perfect world – we will do it as long as humanly possible. You, so, uh, so we'll, we'll see. And, and again, I, I just feel fortunate to find people I love collaborating with and, and stuff. I feel like we can constantly innovate on, but, uh, such is comics. I <laughs> what, uh, so when uh, do you, have you announced when 18 is coming out or is it still in the works right now? No, no, just that we're working okay. on. Okay. And, uh, again, we're, we're hoping for 2017, but as I said, I can't give any official dates because I don't want to step on images toes or, or anything like that. But, uh, we are going to be plugging through for the summer cool. and, uh, and as I said, well, we'll be very, we're not being cagey about it. We're telling people we're working on it. We'll be sharing stuff on social media and, I'm not going to – I'm going to be very cautious because we're doing some 
exciting stuff wherein like again because we pull from literary canon we have some cool characters from from the worlds of literature we're bringing in that i don't want to quite reveal but uh chris is yet another artist who does just everything he draws looks cool so like all his notes look cool and all his <laughs> designs look cool so uh anytime i can share that stuff i i always try to because i know it's the back to the whole like I like seeing it, so I'm sure people oh, yeah. who like the book like seeing it as well. <laughs> oh yeah, no, absolutely, man. I always I always compare him to Jim Aparo, so uh, that's oh, that's yeah. what it, that's what it feels like when I see it. And I mean, you know, that's that great Brave and the Bold kind of look and everything that Jim brought to all of his uh, Bronze Age DC stuff, well into the '90s and early 2000s for that matter. So no, it's uh, and and I don't know if that's one of his guys or not. Yeah, Chris is an interesting kind of artist as i feel like i and i feel like we talked about this last time that his influences tend to be so much more classic and, and still like i was curious to see if after the success of five was little and, and i don't mean this in an, in an egotistical way but like i feel like part of what makes the book so appealing visually is that people aren't working in these styles anymore and i was amazed the number of people who were like telling me what it reminded them of and just how that it was that was their entry point into the book. And then they ended up liking the book on top yes. of that. But uh, yes. I would think that more people would be kind of mining back into those classic kind of art styles. And, and again, it's just it's not looking at the old stuff, the wheel, and not, but not trying to, well, and again, I don't think we were necessarily, it was a nice surprise to find, you know, yeah. you know, him, him doing it in that kind of style. And I think, you know, I think sometimes, and again, everything we said about like you know people like Victor and Oming and, and Bruce Tim and stuff and Darwin and what they bring to crime, um, it seems like sometimes <sighs> other interpretations of crime it's hit and miss. And I do think that yeah, yeah. obviously the classics they they knew what they were doing and that's that's why they're classic. And I mean you know yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting. I, I also think that guys like Victor, I wonder if a, a Robert McGinnis figures into his inspiration because it comes out of his hands very differently and much more cartoony but i think just in terms of perspective and uh the uh the the choices of poses of characters and things i see a lot of that classic painted noir that you find in like hard case crime paperbacks these days yeah and usually you know they're taking great classic art and and you know thank god we've still got guys like mcginn is still out there churning out stuff uh you know yeah, so i, I it is such a – I find comic art, which I obviously love, just so fascinating because I feel like so much of it is taken for granted. And any fan of this medium knows that, again, especially I feel like some of the older stuff has been – it was never regarded as high art. But, like, so much of it has such amazing craftsmanship and it's just – is high art. Yes. And, and I, yes. I'm amazed to see – a lot of the people who are still working. And, and that's what I find so fascinating about Chris too. And so fortunate uh, that I was able to meet him before he passed as well, but because he worked with Joe Kubert, Joe was his teacher and at the Kubert school and Adam and Andy, but he was one of the last classes to actually be taught by Joe. And I feel like he really did get a lot of that DNA from Joe yes, totally. uh, into his work. And, and I feel like he embraced it instead of being like, okay, how am I going to now like go thing. crazy on this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Victor, fascinating. I, I was actually just looking at the dedication page of Violent Love. Uh, he said to Gene Colan, Doug Menke, Sam Peckinpah, Dennis Cohen, Jim Steranko, and John Borman for the inspiration. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So that's what he, who he personally thanked in, in volume one. <laughs> so like, I'm assuming John Borman, that's a, that's gotta be point blank. 
I don't know. Yeah, he's. I mean, that's that's where my <laughs> my mind immediately. I mean, you know, there's the general too. Wasn't it the general with Brendan Gleeson? I believe that was a John Borman film as well. The uh, the Irish gangster. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, well, well, that's why we a, a lot of people talk about um, love the uh, the influences of the book uh, for Vine Love, and I yeah, feel like Victor is. Well, Victor is really the one who brought a lot of that kind of classic cinema and because it's the visual side of it. And again, I can easily write and be like, make it look like this. But I think he just really has so much of that in his uh, in his mind and in his style and really appreciated the idea that he could get to kind of go whole hog on it, like really be like, oh, OK, now I can can do an establishing shot in the style of X, Y or Z and uh that makes him a fantastic collaborator as well because he could kind of bring that authenticity to it versus me just having to pull names out of a hat and be like, oh, you know, it's like this and this. But but really for me, I mean, uh, the genesis of it was wanting to do a noir romance where it like the romance is there. It's not just like a buzz or marketing word, but this is a love story wherein very, uh, for me, just being a crap nerd that the real antagonist is the lover. It's, it's really the story of rock and Daisy. And mm-hmm. it, I was very adamant to just like not have issue one and have them like making out and rolling around in bags. Like, no, it's the story of how they actually fall in love. And we know it does not end well, <laughs> despite subverting that a little bit, but uh, there's a tragedy in there as well. And for me, it was really like about kind of giving that its space and making the love story authentic, but also being able to kind of embellish a lot of the noir, uh, noir and crime sure. stuff that I love. And this is, I know Victor does well. And, uh, I don't know. I've been very happy with what we've been able to do with the book and beyond the surface stuff, what I'm trying to say with it. And I, I feel like you really get the big point, obviously at the end of the story, at the end of, of nine and 10, as there is stuff I really hope that might color the story different from some other revenge stories. But, uh, okay. Really, it grew out of that urge to do to challenge myself as I'd never written anything like that and and to really do a bit more of a uh, a grounded story. I mean, we still have some kind of <laughs> crazy stuff, uh, particularly with the uh, kind of Mexican gang we made up. And Victor did some <laughs> awesome kind of character designs for that. But it all still is relatively grounded. And, and we we didn't base it on any specific true story, despite saying inspired by true events. And we want to give it that faux true crime feel of like, Oh, well this could have happened. Sure. This could have been based on <laughs> yeah. something. And no, totally. obviously that, that, that's a riff riff on Fargo as well. They, they do the same thing and hearing the Coens talk about that was very inspirational for me. And I'm glad no one was like, Oh, you just ripped that off. And I was like, no, no, but I actually ripped off the right part of it. Not just, right. <laughs> not just the text, but the, the understanding that the book, like, and I feel like Victor leaned into it with his style so great that it has a feeling of like nostalgia about it. It feels like it, it, it is someone's story and of a time. And I'm really into as a as a writer playing with readers' expectations like that and, and seeing what we can set them up for and what kind of what kind of credence they'll bring to a book if they think it could have been true and how can we actually play with that and and then the idea of doing a big frame story that actually pays off because the questions I kept getting as issue one or two or as we went on a little bit of like, why is this old man telling this girl the story? What the hell? Like, right. is this just like a boring frame device? But for me, really, I've been fascinating in studying uh, what good frame stories do. And, and really the big thing that the takeaway is, is that they become the main narrative eventually. And we'll see that in Violent Love that 
obviously with the cliffhangers at the end of volume one, but much more in volume two, we kind of catch back up to real time and see what's going on. And, and that frame story is very much part of the narrative. And, and sometimes like, especially just with the uh, serialized nature of comics, I, I always try to make sure my issues read well as single issues, but sometimes you just want to scream like, just give it a second. Like it's going somewhere. Trust us a little bit. <laughs> I, dude, I understand. And I do. I sympathize. And I, I, I really roll my eyes at a lot of bloggers and even readers who do get impatient and are very frustrated at what they read in chapter two. And it's like, yeah, there's still three or four more chapters to go just and in comic book yeah. terms. And it's like, just take it easy. You know, by all means, at the end of the story, if you're not happy, I mean, you know, God, Marvel's, Marvel's yeah, in the middle exactly. of a big event just like that. And it's just like, God, shut up. And I'm sorry. I, I am very <laughs> yeah. frustrated with that very loud group that, that can't wrap their arms around, a, you know, a story that takes a left turn. And it's just like, calm down. I mean, you know, and again, when it's there, over, if you don't like it, I get is, it. But I, and I also, yeah. not my cup of tea is fine. But don't shit on the publisher for trying something new. And, and that's not even what you're exactly. doing with, you know, it, in the confines of your story. You're just telling a story. And, yeah, there's going to be a dip where, wait a minute, why is this happening? And we are going to be confused for a second. It's okay. It's all right. I, I really do stand by, like, it is our job as creators to surprise and to do stuff that is new. Because yes. the most painful feedback that I feel like... I have gotten and I see is if this feels generic yet at the same time, we struggle constantly with an audience who doesn't want stuff to change too much or wants it on their terms. Especially with mainstream stuff. Yeah. And and it's such a like delicate dance and and I always try to be sympathetic to all parties, but there's part of you as a storyteller that just wants to be able to do whatever you want to do. And again, I'm happy to see people stick to their guns and tell the stories they want to tell because we live in a world where we can, very easily hear outcries. And I mean, I, I think it is very easy to give in sometimes and be like, Oh, well, fans don't like this or, Oh, this is getting a bad response. But sometimes you got to see your vision through it and, and hope that people get what you're at least saying or just not care. I, I feel like that's the number one thing I've learned. And, and thankfully getting the opportunity to do a lot of comics over the last four years, uh, you can't make everyone happy and you can't fixate on the people who aren't happy. And as long as you believe in what you're doing, like yeah, tell your story, I don't know at the, at, at the end of the day, that's it. And, and I just think we, we do have a very interesting ecosystem where it's much easier for readers to contact writers. Yes. And I do think there's a lot of positive to that, but also I think it's very easy to get trapped in that as a writer and, and worry more about the feedback than what you're trying to do. And for obvious reasons, but I, I think really the thing that, <laughs> Thing we need to be teaching now to, to students like who are studying writing is just like almost like dealing with that immediate feedback right like learning like okay like listen like it's always been like this you're just able to get it if you want it via twitter or things like that and you just have to learn to have that discipline of like oh well maybe don't read twitter <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh, i understand man well i think you are succeeding in listening to your you know what the story you want to tell versus the feedback that again might revolve around the first or second issue and yeah don't 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 let it get away of you telling your story dude you're doing fine everything's good and i'm and, and i'm well, excited thank for you so you. much i'm really excited for uh you coming back to five ghosts and uh truly first uh, volume of violent love is fantastic and i do think it will be a satisfying read 
and you will honestly know at the end of it if you want to stay on the journey with uh, Victor and Frank or not. Uh, I I think you will because, and again, I do think uh, listeners of Word Balloon know I lean towards you know good crime, and I think this is a fine example of it. And uh, happy to have you on to talk about it and uh, the other future projects to come for uh, Frank Barberi. And also really excited for your uh, your Warner Brothers uh, crossover with uh, Marvin oh, Marvin and, uh, and John Jones. That'll be great, man. A lot of fun there. But thank you so, so much, John. It's my pleasure to talk to you. And, and again, my pleasure to like the book. It's uh, really been, I can't say the words passion project enough, but sincerely, it is the absolute book we want to be making. Right. So to know it resonates with, with anyone, but also people I respect, thumbs up for me. So nice going, man. <laughs> absolutely. And help me work over Victor because, you know, or at the very least, Victor, if you're listening, yeah, yeah. I'm a huge fan. And I and if if that's the only exchange we have is you hearing this, I, that's okay too. But yeah, I'm I'm a I love his stuff and uh, and yeah, I think I'm really glad you guys have found something great to work on that uh, will continue. So keep it up. Thank you so much. Well, and again, anytime. Hopefully, uh, sooner than later, I'll have more to talk to you. That about, would be great. So. Frank Barberi. Don't forget the uh, trade paperback of Violent Love is available Wednesday tomorrow. As I'm uh, putting out this uh, episode. Uh, so it might already be there on your racks if you're getting to this uh, show uh, after Wednesday. But uh, also, obviously, the single issue is available on uh, Comixology and Amazon. But uh, what a great book. Uh, I really can't uh, recommend it enough. Wonderful collaboration from Victor Santos and Frank Barberi. And I was happy to talk to Frank on today's Word Balloon. Hope to get Victor on the show eventually, as I said on the interview. and Because uh, I am a huge fan. And let's go over some wonderful uh, product from Victor Santos that's available at InStockTrades.com. Uh, you can get all three volumes of Polar, Came from the Cold, tremendous uh, hitman kind of spy thing. It is so darn good, and, and Victor wrote and drew it. It is amazing. Uh, all three volumes. There is uh, Volume 1, Came from the Cold, Volume 2, Eye for an Eye, and uh, vol- Volume 3, No Mercy for Sister Maria, all of these are 45% off. They're just $9.89 each. Can't recommend it enough. I am, as I said, such a, such a huge Victor Santos fan. Uh, some more uh, Victor uh, product from In Stock Trades. There's things like his uh, two volumes of Godzilla Kingdom of Monsters from IDW. One written by Eric Powell and Tracy Marsh. That's volume two of uh, the ongoing book. Uh, let's see, 30% off, $12.59. Same price for Volume 3, written by Jason Sierra uh, Mella, or Maya. I'm not sure if that's if he's Hispanic or not. No disrespect there, Jason. But uh, let's see, you can get Furious, Volume 1, Fallen Star. Uh, that's uh, Victor and Brian Glass. We, I believe we talked about that. Volume as well from Dark Horse, 45% off, $9.89. He did two volumes of... James Patterson's Witch and Wizard hardcovers, both of those are 30% off, $12.59. He did a lot of work with uh, Brian on Mice Templar. I believe we discussed all of that as well. Uh, You know, Victor's amazing, and I'm telling you, you you really need to get his books, uh, and and a lot of them are at great prices at InStockTrades.com. Check it out for yourself. $50 uh, orders or more, you receive free shipping. It's a great place to find wonderful deals your favorite authors, your favorite artists, all at great prices at InStockTrades.com. Thanks again for listening to today's Word Balloon. And uh, I've got another episode right on the way. So many people have books coming out this week. Um, the next episode is Paul Cornell. And, man, it's great to talk to Paul again. Uh, he is bringing back 
Saucer Country, although now it is Saucer State. That is the new continuation of his Vertigo series with Ryan Kelly. They did 14 issues at Vertigo and are continuing the book now at IDW, the first issue of the new volume. It's a new movie, and I can honestly say uh, you can read that first issue and you won't be lost. You'll know exactly what's going on. And uh, I would go back and uh, definitely check out those uh, 14 issues. Uh, but I, I do think you can uh, enjoy the story starting off with Volume 2. And uh, you'll, you'll really be on the same page as everybody else. Uh, no pun intended. But uh, we'll be talking to Paul about that and a lot of other things on the next episode of Word Balloon. Until then, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions. Copyright 2017.